For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. Morning, Genesis. Oh, thank you. In the family spirit, it's time for the family budget talk. In my family, I was the only one who looked forward to those conversations. The rest of us, the rest of them went running for the exits using the exit strategy that was talked about earlier. But here you are, I have a captive audience, so thank you. Uh, As most of you have heard, we're well into the preparations or the budget planning for the upcoming fiscal year, which uh, begins in July. So the fiscal year runs July 1st to the end of June of the following year. And with that in mind, uh, we're asking everybody that calls Genesis West home to give some thought and some prayer to what you may be able to give financially. Now, in prior years, we've not asked for you to necessarily uh, commit to that or or, uh, express that to us. But this year, in the interest of trying to create an accurate budget, uh, we're gonna be asking you to communicate your total plan giving for the upcoming uh, fiscal year. Again, that is starting July 1st through end of June. If you've already done this, thank you. I hate to sound like, uh, you know, the public television and NPR pledge drive where they keep asking you over and over and over, like, I gave already, shut up. So sorry. (laughs) Thank you if you've already done this. But if you've not had a chance to do it, um, there are two ways you can do it. One is, uh, in your liturgy, there should be a sheet, I didn't check, but hopefully there is, where you can fill it out um, and drop it in one of the two offering boxes. Or you can go online, which is the easiest, uh, genesiscov.org give. There's a link for planned giving. Two reminders, when you do that, please communicate your total planned giving amount for the fiscal year, not the monthly recurring amount. Uh, second reminder, if you could, please communicate this to us by no later than next Sunday, the 10th. Uh, This Sunday would be great, but no later than next Sunday, the 10th. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Lastly, in order to be completely transparent regarding our finances for the current year, if the current uh, giving trend continues, we'll probably be about $18,000 short. Uh, So we're asking you to consider if you're able to, if, if it's in your budget, uh, if you'd consider an extra gift to help us cover that gap for this current fiscal year, which ends June 30th. Thank you for listening. Thank you for loving Genesis, and thank you for being in it together. I never got applause in the my family budget talks. So thank you. Uh, Anthony's going to come up and read scriptures for us. This morning's scripture is from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commands you. Six days you shall labor 
and do no and do all your work but the seventh day is a sabbath day to the lord your god on the, on it you shall not do any work or or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that is with you that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm therefore the Lord your God command you to keep the sabbath day the word of the lord um you guys i'm super excited um and one of the things I thought was funny is we're talking about finances, and I titled my sermon uh, Sabbath and Calculus. So <laughs> I swear it's not going to be a snooze fest, but I just, I was like, oh, good, dry right away. <laughs> um, so if you don't know me, uh, my name is Claire. Some people call me Cece. Steve got a hold of that, so that's why. If you were like, who is Cece? It's one of the names that I go by. Um, so we're going to get a little nerdy with this passage because it's me, um, <laughs> but I'm also feeling really aware in myself and with people around me and conversations that I've had that there's kind of this collective longing for something other than the hustle and bustle of our lives and sort of waking up every day and feeling like a cog in a wheel. So I'm going to get, I am going to get a little nerdy. Um, but then I promise that we're going to touch on the heart of Sabbath too. And I also promise that if we get to the end of this and you don't feel kind of the freedom and permission um, to like take a nap today or do something else that's really restorative for you, I didn't do my job. So that's kind of the umbrella that I want you to experience before we go into this. So here we go. All right, so the Deuteronomy passage on Sabbath is actually the second time where we hear the Ten Commandments, and the first time is in Exodus 20, and I'm going to read through Exodus 28 through 11, and just for fun, I want you to follow along in your lectionary and just pay attention, okay? So here we go. Um, remember, that word's different. The Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." So at Genesis, what Steve talked about earlier is that we value the voice of the chorus more than just the value of the solo. So we do these things called all plays. So this is my first all play ever. <laughs> um, yeah, what? It's going to be exciting. Um, so the first all play is what did you notice about those two different passages? Shorter. Shorter. 
All the what? All the same elements, just in different Yeah, all the same elements, different order. Anything else? Yeah, totally. Yeah, same until the end. Anybody, I mean, I noticed it, but that first word is observe versus remember, right? Cool. So here is the deal. If we're comparing all of the commandments in Exodus 20 to Deuteronomy 5, everything is basically the same. Like everything is basically verbatim except for the commandments surrounding Sabbath. Okay. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. Okay, so these differences are fairly tame as far as like inconsistencies that we see in the Bible, but they still are different. And I, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a tradition where um, we, there, you know, the Bible had no contradictions, there were no inconsistencies, everything was like very clear, and it was never ever confusing ever, right? <laughs> LOL. <laughs> So I was sitting in a room with this one rabbi this one time. A lot of you know him and love him. And one of the things he said that I love, and I'm going to read it twice because it is really it is really juicy and as Steve Ween says, delicious. Um, <laughs> he says that all the time. Yeah. Uh, so what he says is, Scripture knows what it's doing, and contradictions mean you should pay attention because they're there for a purpose. So I'm going to say it one more time. Scripture knows what it's doing, and contradictions mean you should pay attention because they're there for a purpose. So even though this might feel like kind of a mild difference, I still want to use these sort of contradictions or differences as an invitation to pay attention and understand what's going on. So for both of these passages, uh, I want to do kind of an all play for Torah points. You prize to be collected at the end, which I haven't decided what it is yet. Um, <laughs> Of where are we? So if we're starting with Exodus 20, does anybody know where we are? Like physically where we are, what time, where we are? Anyone? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Yeah. Exodus 20, yeah, totally. What's up? Post-slavery. Post-slavery, yeah. How many months? Right. Yeah, barely, right? We've like barely left slavery. We're chilling at Mount Sinai. We're like three months into this whole like three months into this wilderness journey. What about in Deuteronomy 5? Does anybody know? 40 years, right? So they've been in the, in Deuteronomy 5, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years, so they kind of know what the wilderness is and sort of what, what it's about. And they're also about to enter into the promised land too. So I think Moses, what I would suggest, or what I'm thinking about these two passages, is that Moses is speaking at two totally different points of time to two totally different groups of people. So if you've ever, um, I'm, I'm a nerd, so I took as many math classes as I could take and got like really excited about it. Um, <laughs> but everybody, you were, like everybody was forced to take math class, right? Like if you got to escape math class, I don't know like what straw you drew that you got to like skip that. Um, but remember when you were like sitting in a math class and they were explaining a problem on, you know, the whiteboard or whatever, and you're like, I don't, I literally do not know what you're saying. You are speaking Japanese to me right now. And then you'd like go up later and be like, hey, I didn't understand this. I like totally didn't get it. And the teacher would like re-explain it to you and you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Why didn't you say that the first time? <laughs> 
And what I'm saying, what I want to suggest is that Moses isn't an idiot. Like Moses isn't stupid. He knows that he's speaking to two different people groups and he is very aware that those two different people probably need to hear two completely different things about Sabbath and why it's important. So I want to go back to Exodus and the first time that we're hearing about Sabbath and just like imagine with me like you you and your people have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years you're just in the wilderness you just followed this guy Moses into the wilderness who feels a little like oh, is this a good idea I don't know um, but uh, just another all play what are you what are you experiencing regret totally PTSD. PTSD yeah from being a slave in Egypt yeah absolutely fear, fear. yep doubt restlessness. restlessness totally any others yeah no idea what you didn't know resentment, resentment totally for who God. God yep um one of the other things that I think that you're coming out with is this, if you've been a slave for 400 years, you've never really had the ability to stop. So, and then the other thing that I, I was thinking about is if you were a slave in Egypt for 400 years, would you have known that God was God? Like that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was your God? I don't, I don't know for sure, but I don't know if you would know that. So we're coming out of this place, this Egypt, where there's absence of like a true God, this place of perpetual work and bondage. Um, and then we're taken to this first word in our Exodus passage, which is the word remember versus the word observe, which is used in Deuteronomy. So the word remember in Hebrew is the word uh, zakar. So if you were chilling out in biblical times, pulling a Hermione Granger, doing some light reading, <laughs> you'd read the word zakar and immediately actually probably think of Noah. So why? Because that's the first time in the Bible that we actually hear the Hebrew word zakar in the context of God remembers. So if you didn't grow up like me with the, you know, felt board of Noah and the ark story. Let me just give you a little context. Quick sparks notes, Virgin. Um, so God is making a covenant with Noah. He told Noah he was going to destroy the earth, but Noah and his family and a bunch of other of the animals would be saved by going into the ark. And then they're floating around for 40 days, and God remembers, or Zakar's Noah, and the waters go away. And I've got to be honest, when I, when I was reading and kind of preparing for that and heard like God remembered Noah I was like was he just gonna forget him like was Noah gonna be just like bopping around on the ark and like hope God remembers me um like what I thought about is has anybody seen the movie Waterworld with Kevin Costner it's a little it's a terrible movie yeah it's so awful um, but that's what I was thinking. It's like going to be a remake of that awful movie with, yeah, Noah's just hanging out as the, you know, Kevin Costner plays Noah. Um, so, but when I was digging into the words a car a little deeper, um, it's more than just God remembering Noah like he was going to forget. It's, it points towards instead the way that God 
treated Noah. So God had made a covenant with Noah to save him and his family. So when we hear this word, God remembers, what follows is that God's going to fulfill a promise that he made. So another story that would come to mind that ties directly to where we're at is when the Israelites cry out to God in Egypt because of their slavery, and God remembers them. This is in Exodus 2, 23 through 25. So God is remembering, God is hearing the Israelites cry and remembering the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would make them a great nation and bring them into a land that he would show them. So when we hear this word remember, I think our immediate thought should be that God is going to come through and fulfill his covenant to his people. So it's a reminder to the people of Israel that their covenant is now with God and not with Pharaoh. And then that God and Pharaoh are totally different. So I'm in this cohort with 40 orchards, and it's honestly, it's wonderful. Um, and it's very difficult to explain. People still ask me, they're like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, honestly, I really don't know. Um, but the quickest way to explain it is that it's been 40 weeks of intentional time studying the Bible with this amazing group of people. And we meet pretty regularly. And a couple months ago, I was sitting in a room with my cohort. And Steph Spencer, if you guys know Steph Spencer, she's the asker of like the questions that ruin your life. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> And she asked in like this metaphorical way where we were. So like where, you know, kind of the, where are you? And you're like, oh, I don't know. Um, and I had just come from this like very, very brutal day at work. Have you ever had those where literally, no, no. <laughs> Who said no? You are a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> yeah, or retired. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Looking forward to that day. Um, but I just had this brutal day at work. It was super, super busy, and literally everything that could have gone wrong did. It was like, just please, somebody stop the bleeding. Um, and I was just, in general, and I was still, I was in this season that just felt super busy, and I was under a ton of pressure, and suddenly I'm in this space where I need to be, like, calm and contemplative. And I'm like, <laughs> you can't ask me to be calm and contemplative right now. <laughs> And so she asked that question, and I was just buzzing, and I like, couldn't figure out where I was, because I was also thinking about like, all of the emails that I needed to send. And then suddenly it hit me that I was in Egypt, that I was in this really, really narrow place, because you know you're in Egypt when you feel like you're not allowed to stop. So when your covenant is with God or with Pharaoh, you're forced into, when, you're, when your covenant is, is God, is Pharaoh, you're forced into slavery, you move along without being able to stop, you're forced to make your own bricks and gather your own straw, but when God is your God, you have a God who rests and a God that says it's okay to stop and it's okay to breathe. So have you ever been in that place, the place where you feel like you're not allowed to stop, the place where you're hustling for your worth and value because as soon as you stop working, the world might say, Meh, we don't really need you anymore. The place where you're beating yourself to death. The place where you've robbed your friends and loved ones of your true self because of the endless need to strive and earn. When you're trying to earn money, affection, love, respect, fill in the blank, all because we don't believe that life is a gift from the God who rests. Just FYI, because I've done this, this is a terrible way to live. Um, 
I feel like I'm so guilty to slip into this, but, um, and I think we have this tendency and temptation to do this all the time, but I also, maybe I'm by myself and maybe I'm the only person who's like, blah, I gotta achieve, earn, blah, blah. Um, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> so God in the Exodus passage is saying that he is now Israel's God and wants Israel to remember this, and that as Israel's God, he is not of the Lord of building bricks until you die, but the Lord of creation who rested on the seventh day and is inviting us into his rest. So we have a God who keeps his promises, who says you don't have to earn my love because it's already freely given. And I, for me personally, I have this picture um, of God literally holding my face in his hands and like with my face next to his face, and he's saying, Claire, take a nap. Um, it's true my mom would totally agree she's like good god Claire take a nap Um, and he's probably saying he might be saying that to you too maybe in a little bit more of an aggressive way if you're less stubborn than I am Um, but he is inviting us to stop and to slow down and rest and do something that's restorative Um, and honestly that might be literally all you need to hear today that you have permission to stop and you are being invited to stop, but I haven't even gotten to our actual verse, so (laughs) yay. So I wanna park on the word um, observe for a minute. So just switching gears, we're in a totally different place. We're back in Deuteronomy Um, and another all play. So you're in Deuteronomy, you've been in the wilderness for 40 40 years. Uh, what What are you feeling? You've been in the wilderness for 40 years and you're about to go into the promised land. So what are you feeling or experiencing if you've just spent 40 years in the wilderness. Big pardon? Weariness. Weariness, totally. Can't rest, I need to keep plugging along. Keep plugging along, totally. Physically and emotionally exhausted. How old are you? Like five? (laughs) Ten? Okay, great. (laughs) Feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you're already ten and tired, I feel bad. (laughs) What else? anticipatory like you're excited it's like promised land's coming what else oh yeah totally you might have not made that transition over yeah yeah one of the things I thought about is um kind of like get me out of here uh like I don't want to you know I don't want to be here anymore um and one of like I don't if you're in a wilderness like metaphorical wilderness in your life, like it is really, really, really hard. It's so hard and it's really, it can be super stupid. Um, Yeah, it's true, it's dumb. But one of the things that I would say from my experience in the wildernesses in my own life is that it's also a place of really deep intimacy with God. So you have this experience of Israel in the wilderness But God is also showing up in the wilderness. He's showing up as a pillar of cloud, of fire, and then he's been providing for them for 40 years with manna and quail. And then additionally, Israel's been forced into this 40-year, they've been forced into Sabbath for 40 years. If you know kind of the manna deal, they're allowed to gather manna for six days, and then on the seventh day, they're not allowed to gather any manna. So it's kind of like um, preschool nap time, like, it's forced, it's scheduled, the mats are out, the lights are dark, and snack time isn't for an hour. You, like, have to do it. 
So I think if you've had 40 years of 40 years of struggle, sure, but also 40 years of really deep intimacy with just you and God wandering around in the wilderness where all of your like needs have been provided for, not by anything you did, but by what God has done for you. And you're about to walk into this land flowing with milk and honey and the pillar of cloud God is not going to really be there anymore. So when, you, when I think of it that way and I think about Moses, I feel like Moses is like head in hands being like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like this could be really, really bad. Because um, like, one of the images that I had in my mind is like if you're a parent of a teenager who's like 15, about to turn 16, and you're going like, to hand them the keys to the car, it's like promised land for them, seventh layer of hell for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so Moses, I think Moses knows all of this and all of the complexities and where they've been and where they're going. So instead of using the word remember, he uses the word observe, which in Hebrew is the word shamar. Yeah, I heard a gasp. I know the word shamar. It's so exciting. It's so good. So where do we go now um, from the word shamar? The first time that we hear this word is in Genesis. I've, yeah, what up, Genesis? Shout out. Genesis 2.15, <laughs> to be exact. And I'm going to use the word, um, I'm using the KJV because just because I like the way that it's translated, I'm a little frustrated. I'm going to have to do like the thithers and thous, but it'll be great. So in Genesis 2.15, it says, And Jehovah God taketh the man and causeth him to rest in the Garden of Eden to serve it and to keep it. Um, and that keep it word is the word shamar. So the word in the Deuteronomy passage, the word shamar and to observe is pointing us to Genesis 2.15 and reminding us that we're back in the garden again, that we're about to go back in the garden. So if we look at Genesis 2.15 literally, what it's saying is, and Jehovah God takes mankind and caused him to rest in the garden of delight, Eden is delight, and to serve it, work, worship, and to keep it shamar or guarded. So we are to guard the Sabbath so that we and the rest of the community can rest into the garden, remembering that we were slaves in Egypt, and now we are to worship Yahweh. So that second, um, if you're looking at Deuteronomy, there's this part which, sa which says, your male and female servant may rest as well as you. And I just pass over, it's for sure not condoning slavery, but I think what it's pointing us to is who are the people that you have responsibility over, and are you allowing them to make space for Sabbath. So that's the question. And then we have this responsibility to guard Sabbath. So we're, we're really being entrusted with guarding and protecting Sabbath. But why? If we're going into the garden, if we're going into the promised land, why would we need to guard, guard anything? So another all play. Um, who is in the garden besides Adam, Eve, and God? The serpent, right? So the serpent is in the garden. Um, Moses is saying that we're about, to, we're about to go into the promised land, but there will be temptation, and we're going to be tempted to believe that we can do it all ourselves. We'll be tempted to believe that it's because of us that anything gets done or anything good happens. And there's this huge chance that our trust in God could erode and be eclipsed by our trust in ourselves. 
So what I think Moses also sees is that without Sabbath and this physical time of trust in God, this physical time where you pause and say, okay, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to engage in sort of my normal hustle and bustle, there's an opportunity that the community could also erode. When we think of rest, I think we think it's this solitary activity, and I think it totally is. I think there's space on Sabbath to do things that really restore you, but I also think that engaging in Sabbath practice benefits the community as a whole. So I read this great book. It's called Sabbath as Resistance by Walter Bergman, and one of the things that he talks about Sabbath is that Sabbath is a day of equality. So where we, are, where we are all at rest, we're all at rest together. So during the week, it's just a reality. Some people do more, more than others. Like if you're like an investment banker and working like 120 hours a week, I mean, don't give me that life, but you are for sure doing more than I am. Um, but when we get to Sabbath, everyone rests the same. It breaks the rhythm of our normal life and says you do not have to do more or know more or have your kids in all of the things. On Sabbath, we are reminded that we all have equal worth, equal value, equal access to the Father, and equal rest. It breaks this cycle of accumulation and consumption that we can get trapped into. And it's a day when we get to say, Lord, I have enough because you are enough. Yeah. Yeah, I have enough because you are enough. So we're about to enter into 60 seconds of silence. So if you're new to Genesis, we just take a minute to kind of pause and reflect. Um, and I, what's helpful for me sometimes during 60 seconds of silence is to have some questions to think about and reflect on. So I want to leave you two questions before we go in. Um, one is where are you coming from? Are you coming from Egypt? Are you coming from the wilderness? Are you about to enter into the promised land? Or maybe you're already in the promised land? And then secondly, what does that color for you about how you need to participate in Sabbath? Sabbath.